for the first time in a few years, there's a real Christmas tree in my house this Christmas. I'm excited about that because as I was growing up, I'm pretty sure we always had real Christmas trees in, my, in our house. And we now consider that our children are of sufficient age to appreciate a Christmas tree by looking at it rather than cuddling it and pulling it to the ground. So far, we've been correct. We'll see how the rest of the month goes. But I love Christmas trees, and I love them so much that I, you, the hassle of getting it into the car, no problem. The hassle of getting it in the house, no problem. Decorating, fine. I will even greet the pain of treading on dropped needles as just part of the experience, because I love a real Christmas tree. Thankfully, Edinburgh Council will take it away and recycle it in the new year, saving me by far the least pleasant part of the whole process. So that's good too, but that's ages away, and who wants to talk about that right now? Because many people like me like real Christmas trees. There are fields full of tree stumps across Scotland now that the year's Christmas trees have been harvested. And it may surprise you to learn that there is a scene that looks a lot like this in the Bible. And perhaps more surprising still, it's actually about Christmas. It's in another of the visions given to the prophet Isaiah. And he sees fallen trees everywhere. And it's a picture of devastation rather than cultivation and harvesting. He says the great in height will be hewn down and the lofty will be brought low. These fallen trees will bear no fruit, give no shelter, serve no purpose. They certainly won't be decorated with lights and baubles. They have all been felled. The vision was given to confront us, firstly. The trees are the kingdoms of the world, both the mightiest of nations and the little lives that we each live tells us that our best efforts come to a little bit less than we had hoped. Our greatest accomplishments could fail in a moment. And death will lay us all down. If this all sounds rather Scrooge-like, that's because we're only halfway through the story. You see, Christians can look at this picture with their eyes wide open. They can see themselves in it and yet not despair. Because here comes the hope. Here comes Christmas. The prophet looks out. Is there anything left? Is there any life? Is there any hope? His eyes directed to something he would not otherwise have seen. Something so small that its arrival would be missed by almost all the world. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. It's a promise, not of a plant, but of a person. Jesus. He was, as we heard earlier, brought up in a family descended from the great King David. And it's David's father, Jesse, who's referred to here as being where this shoot will come from. So that's him. His birth came at a desperate time. Although... The more we see of history in the world around us, we think, well, when isn't a desperate time? And his birth was lowly. It was hidden to most. His upbringing was obscure. And he 
was as fragile as a young plant. But he grew into something no one had ever seen before. The prophecy goes on to describe him. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. There have been and are people who are wise or strong or kind. And even committed to God to a greater or lesser extent. But Jesus was different. He had an unrelentingly, wonderfully joyful relationship with God the Father. He always did what was right, what was just, what was good. He had the power to do this, not only in his own life, but somehow in the lives of others too. He gave peace, wholeness to the broken, the sick, the tormented. He lifted up the humble and he put down the proud. Things were radically, brilliantly different wherever he went. God was known and loved because of him. This was all in Isaiah's prophecy too. In it, there's a description of peace so total, it seems unbelievable, it seems almost comical. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the den of the cobra. I Google searched images for these things and you don't get them. (laughs) Desolation, no problem. Tree stump, yes. This, no. Because it doesn't happen. This sounds like the kind of happily ever after that we have taught ourselves to distrust. We think, well, maybe if we get a moment's respite, a day or a week's peace, or maybe if there's a gradual improvement for the better in some ways, that sounds good to us. This sounds unbelievable. For all the tensions and the fears that we live with all the time in us and around us, could they really be banished for good? Could everything be different? How could this happen? Well, you may not be surprised to learn that Isaiah was shown that too. The vision ends with this. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. What was at first localized to wherever Jesus was, was going to spread. What was a tiny, unseen shoot at the start of this prophecy at Christmas time is now a signal seen by the whole world. It stands when everything else has fallen. It is an invitation to come and receive that incredible peace, that glorious rest, life with God in a world turned right side The word there for signal means basically something lifted up for all to see, like a wooden pole bearing a flag or a banner, or as Jesus himself saw it, like a cross. I 
when I am lifted up from the earth, he said, will draw all people to myself. He was talking about how he would be lifted up on a cross. Lifted up to die. Lifted up, as it were, to be cut down. Not because he had failed, like everyone else, but because everyone else would fail and only he would not. So, he came to take our place. He endured the darkness of God's righteous anger so that the light of his love could shine on us instead. He died that we might live. For unlike all those fallen trees that Isaiah saw, Jesus could not be kept down. He was lifted up again to eternal life, a fruitful tree feeding and sheltering countless millions. A signal to the world forever that the life and love of God is offered through Jesus to any who will come. Maybe you've been beginning to realize your need of God. Ironically, the noise and the bustle of the Christmas season can sometimes distract us from that feeling, at least for a little while. Don't let it. Don't let it. That sense, whether things are going well for you or not, of life feeling somehow like a field of fallen trees, or that it's heading that way. When this began to happen to me, it took me a while to work it out. I needed people who knew Jesus, who knew what he had said and what he had done. I needed them to help me to see and understand. As it happens, in the new year, we're going to start a group for people who want to do this together. They're going to meet in this building once a week, starting on Tuesday the 9th of January, and there will be hot drinks and homemade cakes and a warm welcome and great conversation. There's no charge and there's no obligation. Something so pleasant might seem like a long way from Isaiah's vision of fallen trees. But it could help you to see that shoot for who he truly is. I'd love to pray for us. Jesus, we just, we hail your arrival of the shoot that became the signal of the true hope for the hopeless. As we sang that song, Our Holy Night, earlier, that's a song we often listen to. And it felt wonderfully different to sing it. And as, as I was just thinking on that, I felt God maybe say, there's some people here who you're expecting to watch, and instead you're being brought in and joining in to sing. And if you were just feeling that change, if you were feeling that tug, I believe that's God speaking to you this evening. We'd love to help you respond to that. And we pray for all of us here that we would see you for who you are and receive what you have brought for us and live in the glorious, joyful, fruitful forever that you have prepared for all who come to you. Amen. It's because of who Jesus is and what he's done that Christians sing songs simultaneously of humble awe and joyful celebration. And so that's what we're going to do again just now with a song whose lyrics might be new to you, but you will almost certainly know the tune. So please stand and sing with us.